Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We're currently in the series, Best Of. We hope it's a blessing to you. We're in the middle of a series called Best Of. And what we're doing with the series is simply going back and reviewing some past teaching experiences that we have walked through here at the middle school. And we're doing that to remember where we've been, but we're also doing that to point to our future where in four weeks we move into our new home. Can you believe it? Four weeks. It's hard to imagine. And this is certainly a fascinating time and a thrilling time to be part of Valley Point Church. So here's what I want you to do. Can you hold up a four? Not everyone is participating. (laughs) This is one of those things I need everybody to do, all right? So hold up that four. This is not the fourth quarter of a football game. Better than that, it's four weeks until we get into our home. And again, just a wonderful season that we're walking through. And so I thought it would be fun to review some of these past teachings and what was said in the past, and then to point to where God is taking us. Today, I'm going back to 2014. There was a series we walked through called Get Off Your Donkey, which that's just kind of fun to say right? Get off your donkey. It beats the alternative. So it's a fun series, and we certainly enjoyed walking through that in 2014. This is all based on a book called Get Off Your Donkey by Reggie McNeil. And if you're looking for something to read, I would encourage you to go and get that book because it is delightful. And what you'll find in the book is that it shares the story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 10 where there was a man, a businessman who prepared for a trip. He went on that trip and he was robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. It's a very dramatic story. And we're going to jump back into that today. And what we'll discover is that the ones you would think would help him, the religious individuals, they kind of just walked down by. And they ignored the man hurting and dying on the side of the road. And then there was a surprise guest who shouldn't have, but yet he did. And there are some wonderful takeaways for us. Back in 2014, I shot a video to set all of this up. I want to share that video with you. And then we'll come back and jump into our scripture. So let's watch this together. with me for a moment that you're in a movie theater and you sit down with your $12 soda and $15 box of jujubes. It's the latest dramatic thriller on the screen and you're ready. You can't wait. The scene opens and we're immediately introduced to a man. There's a lot we don't know about the man, but it's clear that he's preparing to leave on a trip. 
Perhaps he's a business person and he's getting ready. There's something just intriguing about a businesswoman or a businessman going about business. Their expertise, their knowledge, their instinct sharply tuned to close the deal or surprise and delight a client are kind of fun to watch. A business person on the move is something to see. The businessman we're talking about wears a power suit that is dripping with power. It's a custom-fitted, no-expense-spared kind of suit that almost opens doors on its own. As he walks by, people step aside and say, look at the suit, look at the shoes. He's on a mission. He's somebody. He's definitely going somewhere. The tie, the corner pocket, all situated to perfection. It's almost like nothing can deter him from his business. Almost nothing. Except perhaps a well-timed robbery, a sneak attack, a cheap shot. That has a way of ruining everything. And so the trip begins. He knows it's dangerous. Travel in his days could be hazardous, even deadly, He knows all of that, but the trip needs to happen. The trip has to happen, and he's done this before. And so he begins the 17-mile journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. As you take a drink of the pricey soda and down some jujubes, you see that this stretch of road is rocky and windy. It's definitely treacherous. And you notice a sign on the side of the road that says, Jericho, 17 miles. Seems pretty doable. You also notice another sign that refers to the road as the way of blood. It's kind of creepy. And as you view the road, it's clear why that name exists. This road is the perfect place for thugs, for bad people to hide and then pounce on travelers. The music intensifies and gets kind of dark. And it's always at that point in the movie where you want to say to the characters on the screen, Can't you hear that the music has changed? Something bad is going to happen. Run. Don't open that door. Get out of that house. Get off that road. The man can't hear the music. He's just thinking about his destination. So the camera pans out again, and it's there that we see the attack that makes us cringe and turn our heads a bit and causes us to put down all of the snacks. It was a brutal attack that leaves him near death. And his life hangs in the balance. All hopes for getting to Jericho no longer matter. Everything is taken from him. Everything. He's in trouble. And he needs some help. Fast. And that's when the music takes a slightly different turn. It lightens a bit, which tells us that something good may possibly happen so you shift in your seat, and, and then you see it. Someone else is on the road. Someone else is coming. It's not a Jedi Knight. It's not a superhero with a flowing cape. No better. Much better than that. It looks like a religious person is coming, a worker in a church, no doubt a compassionate person. Help is on the way. And that's where we pick up the story. With your Bible or device, I want you to find Luke chapter 10, because this is where we continue to read about what is happening here. Luke chapter 10, what we discover is that Jesus is telling the story about a man, and here's how it begins. Verse 30, Jesus said, 
a man was going down from Jerusalem to the city of Jericho. And robbers came out after him. And the idea of the language here suggests that he was encompassed by robbers. It wasn't just one, but it was several. It was an ambush. It was a hit. And so robbers came out after him and they took his clothes off. That seems like a strange thing for Jesus to include in this story that he's sharing. But the crowd that Jesus was talking to would have, would have understood exactly what that meant. See, clothes in this day and in this culture, it was a hot commodity. And so if they're being robbed, you certainly would want their clothes because you could sell that for a lot of money. And that's what's happening here. And so robbers come out. He's encompassed by bad people and they take his clothes to make a few bucks. And they beat him. Then they went away, leaving him almost dead. Verse 31 tells us a religious leader was walking down that road and saw the man, but he went by on the other side. In the same way, a man from the family group of Levi, who was basically a temple assistant, another kind of church worker. So this Levi, he walks down that road. When he saw the man who was hurt, he came near to him, but kept on going on the other side of the road. So he gets a little bit closer. He sees, he observes, there's somebody in a lot of trouble here, but he keeps on walking. All right, so here's, here's what's happening. Jesus is sharing a story. It's a parable. And that means it's likely this wasn't a true story. It wasn't something that actually happened. It was an illustration. And Jesus often taught in parables. And he did that to point to truth. So I want to share something. I want you to understand a concept. I want you to get a truth. And so I'm going to share a story with you that will be memorable. And that's what Jesus does here. He shares the parable or the story of the Good Samaritan. The remarkable thing about this story is that the religious people, they don't look so good, do they? I mean, as you dive in and as you read, you understand here's somebody that is in a lot of trouble. And a religious person walks by, and then another, another religious person walks by, and they don't look so good. Let's think about these religious people for a moment. The ones who should have, didn't. The ones who knew better, didn't act on what they should have known. And honestly, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth for the religious groups, doesn't it? I think it does. The priest, he walks by. Priests, they would have had vast knowledge of Scripture. I mean, they knew what Scripture said. And it's likely that this priest was either on his way to Jerusalem or returning from Jerusalem, where he may have been teaching or writing or learning from someone else. He may have been involved in some temple responsibilities. He was doing or about to do some religious stuff. Again, a vast knowledge of scripture. And yet he sees someone in great need and there is no compassion. He walks by, ignoring the need. And then you have a 
Levi walked by, the Levites were temple assistants. They would have had vast knowledge of right and wrong. Like I'm a, I'm a temple assistant. I know what's right. I know it. And I know what's wrong. I know what I should do. And I, I know what I shouldn't do. But yet what we find in scripture is that the temple assistant, he gets a little bit closer at least. He looks a little more intently, but yet he still walks on by. We really don't know what they were thinking because Jesus doesn't reveal that information to us in the story. We don't know what the thoughts were of the religious individuals, the priest, again, who had a vast knowledge of scripture, but walked on by, or the Levite, a vast knowledge of right and wrong, he walked on by. We don't know what they were thinking, but we know what they did, or we know what they didn't do. Which again leaves a bad taste in our mouth and it helps us to know that what we do, it speaks louder than our words. We say that to our kids and our grandkids all of the time, don't we? And that's certainly true here. We don't know what they're thinking, but we know what they did. And then we discover this in verse 33. Then a man from the country of Samaria came by. All right, so hang on to that thought for a moment because you have priest. And temple or church assistant, they just walk on by. And then a man from the country of Samaria came by. He went up to the man as he saw him. He had loving pity on him. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. One of the aspects of this story where scholars agree is that the individual who was beaten and left for dead was no doubt a Jewish individual because this pathway from Jerusalem to Jericho was generally traveled by Jews. And so there's wide agreement from biblical scholars that the man beaten and left for dead was a Jewish man himself. His Jewishness is assumed. There's that. And then you read in verse 33, a man from the country of Samaria came by. He went up to the man As he saw him, he had loving pity on him. If you like to highlight or circle or underline, I would encourage you, look at that phrase, loving pity, and highlight that. We're going to come back to that word in just a moment because it brings dynamic to the story. So a man from the country of Samaria, he came by, he went up to the man, he saw him, and he has this loving pity on him. This is a significant statement. And as Jesus would have shared the story, the statement would have caused everyone to perk up a little bit. Like maybe they weren't paying attention to what Jesus was saying. There's a man who's beaten and he's left for half dead. Okay, we've probably heard a little bit of this before. But as soon as Jesus talks about the priest walking by, the Levite walking by, and they didn't pay attention at all, they didn't have compassion, they weren't moved to do something about the individual who was really hurting on the side of the road. And Jesus turns the corner and says, a man from the country of Samaria is the one who had loving pity. Everybody sat up. Everybody sat up. And they probably would have thought something like this. Oh my goodness, did Jesus just go there? Like anybody else could have walked by and helped. Did Jesus really just say that a man from Samaria is the one who had compassion? Did Jesus go there? I mean, this is just a shocking statement 
And everyone is listening now. See, Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. At this time and in this culture, they did not get along at all. And there was no expectation that they would beat and kill each other. But there's also no expectation at all that they would pause and help someone hurting on the side of the road. That just didn't happen. And so this is shocking. We have to place ourselves in the story. Everybody's listening now. Because the ones who should have didn't. The one who shouldn't have actually looks with loving pity. I love that phrase. Loving pity. This is my favorite Greek word. It's the word splonknizomai. Which is the word compassion. And it has the idea that the man who walked by, his inner parts were moved. So he did more than see and observe. There was action there. There was something on the inside that caused him to say, I need to act here. Splunk needs omai. He's moved with compassion. He's got everybody's attention now. All right. Verse 34. The Samaritan, he got down and put oil and wine on the places where he was hurt and put cloth around them. Then the man from Samaria put this man on his own donkey. He took him to a place where people stayed for the night and cared for him. He got off the donkey. He got off the donkey. Now, it's taken me a long time to get here But here is our big idea for today. So I would encourage you to take out your talk notes and let's fill in some blanks now. Getting off your donkey means you actually have to get off the donkey. Okay? I'm not trying to be too cute here. But getting off the donkey means you actually have to get off the donkey. A very sophisticated statement, isn't it? Getting off the donkey means we have to see, feel... And then act. We can't just go by on the other side of the road. We can't just hope that someone else will take care of the situation. Will fill the need. Getting off our donkey means we see, we feel, and then we act. Now here's a question I want everyone to consider. Alright, so everybody in here. Think about this question, including those who may be watching online. Question for all of us. Who in your world needs you to get off the donkey for them? Who? Because I think we all probably have someone coming to mind right now, and we may not be thrilled about that, but I think as we throw ourselves into the narrative here, who in your world needs you to act for them? Who needs you to get off the donkey on their behalf? And sure, maybe they're not on the side of the road, broken and bleeding and left for dead. But maybe they're there emotionally. Maybe they're broken and bleeding and dying financially. Maybe they're on the side of the road and they're reaching out relationally. So who in your world needs you to get off the donkey for them? And I want to follow that up with another question I think we have to consider. And that is what keeps us on the donkey? 
<laughs> so this is what I've been thinking about throughout the week as I was preparing for this and looking over my notes and rereading this fantastic story that encourages us to act and don't stay on the donkey, don't just walk by. And I began to think in my own mind, I think more often than not, I, I stay on the donkey. I do. Yeah, and there's people around you and they're, they're reaching and crying and bleeding emotionally, financially, or relationally. And, you know, I'm busy. I am. And there's my family and my dreams and my goals and the stuff that I'm doing. And my goodness, in four weeks, we move into a whole new place. And that takes a level of energy I've never experienced before. And so there's a lot that I'm doing. And it's a whole lot easier to stay on the donkey. A whole lot easier. And so I just began to think, what, what keeps us on the donkey? Why are we running so fast that we don't have this margin to say, I'm going to pause and, and I'm going to get off the donkey and inconvenience myself. And yeah, maybe it'll cost me a little bit. And I'll have to get in the weeds with people. But yet I'm willing to do it. So what keeps us on the donkey? I came up with six reasons. Okay, fill in some blanks here. Reason number one, bad assumptions. Bad assumptions. Like somebody else will take care of them. Somebody with more time, more skill, more money perhaps. But what if that someone is actually you? Bad assumptions. It keeps us on the donkey. Number two, prejudice. Prejudice. That is the theme of the story, by the way. People groups who did not get along. And boy, Jesus just pushes right into that. And often we stay on the donkey because I, I don't help those people. It's a frightening thing. But it keeps us on the donkey sometimes. Number three. You know, sometimes it's just more comfortable to stay on the donkey. Especially when you put yourself in the context of this story. A donkey doesn't sound comfortable to me. But when you're broken and bleeding and dying on the side of the road, it's got to be better than walking or just staying there. It's more comfortable just to stay on the donkey. How about reason number four? Fear. And maybe it's fear that I'm going to get stuck helping this individual for a long time. And it's going to take a lot of energy from me or maybe even my own finances. We find that in the story. The Samaritan paid for it quite a bit. He wasn't afraid of that. And I think sometimes we stay on the donkey because we fear engaging with the broken. Too much involvement. Reason number five, busyness. Right? Like we're just running and going and we don't have time. There's no margin. I think you've heard me share this before that speed kills. It kills relationships. It kills our faith. It kills the things that are most important to us when we run too fast and we don't have space. We don't have margin to listen to the stirring of God in our hearts and to act upon that. And we're just going and moving and doing and accomplishing. And there's a lot of good with that as well. But busyness keeps us on the donkey. One final reason. How about your compassion meter is just dangerously low? Like the world's just been chipping away at you and... You no longer feel 
and you no longer see. And maybe you watch a few other people respond and you wonder, why is it my heart move like that anymore? And there's cynicism and maybe a bit of anger and disappointment and all of this just keeps our compassion meter dangerously low. Who in your world? We got to answer this. Who in your world needs you to get off the donkey for them? Who? Some takeaways for all of us as we consider getting off the donkey. Number one, time with God equals a captured heart. Okay? Time with God, it softens our hearts. And so if you're one of the cynics, if your compassion meter is low and that concerns you and you're not exactly sure what to do about that, then here is the answer. Time with God, it equals a captured heart. And when we have a captured heart, our heart becomes soft and soft hearts get off the donkey. They do. That's why we need this. And that's why I continually say, make Sunday a priority in your life. Because we come together and we spend time responding to the greatness of God, which is worship. It's telling God you're worth it. And I'll I'll listen to you and I'll respond to what you want. And I'll subject myself to the word of God and implement some of these takeaways in my life. All of that leads to a soft heart and soft hearts get off the donkey. And so that's why we need this. We need this. It's a good thing. Time with God, a captured heart. Here's another thing. God's word. When we spend time in the word of God and and we review the things Jesus said, like Luke chapter 10, and when we look at what Jesus actually did, it softens our hearts, and we feel compelled to go out and act the same way, to do some of the same things. And when we have a soft heart, we get off the donkey. You have also heard me say this. If the only time you feed yourself spiritually, or the only time you spend some moments in the word of God is here on Sunday, you'll starve spiritually. Uh, It's just not enough. We wouldn't eat one time a week physically in in hopes of surviving. It just wouldn't happen. But yet, I and perhaps a lot of us do this all of the time spiritually. We don't feed ourselves Monday through Saturday. And so time in God's word, it softens our hearts and that helps us to get off the donkey. Each and every week, we put a reading plan in the program. You can see that on your notes right there. Often it's tied to our scripture or the story or whatever series we're walking through at the time. And I would encourage you, take that reading plan if you don't have one. Find a chair and make that your worship time where you're going to take a few moments and get into the word of God and allow that to shape you and mold you and soften your heart. So I share that with you because time with God, when we're with God's people, when we're synced up like this and responding to him, and then the rest of the week when we're just diving into his word and saying, okay, God, what do you want for me? This softens our hearts and soft hearts get off the donkey. And that's how Jesus wants us to live. Secondly, look, okay, look. Again, often we're so busy running, we don't, Look to the margins where there's a lot of people who have been pushed to the fringes, people that are close to us, people that we have proximity to and can impact. So let's look, let's be diligent about that. 
and identify the people who are reaching out and are broken and need us to get off the donkey. I will say this, the individuals that need the most help are probably close to us. All right? Often we love the idea of going way over there. That sounds really sexy. Let me go over there and help. When sometimes in my house, yeah, somebody broken and on the side of the road, right there. Or somebody in my office, right? Right there. And, and they desperately need me to get off the donkey. Or, or maybe it's somebody in my school, you know, and they're pushed out to the side. And students, you're desperately needed to get off the donkey for them. The individuals we need to reach are probably very close. And let's start there. So look. And then thirdly, stop. Maybe we need to stop doing some things so we create space to respond. So this parable wraps up. And here's what Jesus says. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yeah, that's it. That's it. And here's what I want for you. I want you to go and do the same. Who showed mercy? Well, it's the guy who got off the donkey. So you go and you do the same. So let's stop and let's do the same. Here's what you need to know about Valley Point Church. And if you've been here for a while, you probably understand this and you've been involved in this. And that's a great thing. If you're newer to Valley Point and kind of kicking the tires and wondering if this place is for you, then you need to know this about us. We are imperfect people. Okay? I am an imperfect leader. I fail often. But yet one of the things we are trying to do as imperfect humans is we are consistently seeking to inconvenience ourselves as a church and as individuals and say, we got to get off the donkey. And we've got to look for the people who are bleeding and broken and dying on the side of the road. And we've got to reach out for them. We have to love them. We have to weep with them. And we have to be ready to inconvenience ourselves in some big ways in order to serve them. I do want to say if, if you're here and that's actually you, maybe you're the one on the side of the road and emotionally or financially or relationally or in some other way, you're broken and bleeding and dying and you're here you're here I want to say we love you we love you and you are welcome and we encourage you to come and to question and to wrestle with all of that and what you find in a faith community is there are several people as I look out I know some of your stories and I know what you've walked through and we've discussed these things and there are so many people here who want to link arms with you and weep with you and help you discover the kind of life that God wants you to live and so we love you and you're welcome here and we're trying 
We're trying in imperfect ways to get off the donkey to be available for you. I want to close by reading this quote. I found it as I was studying this week and I find it to be really interesting and it speaks to the kind of mission that Jesus had and what we should be doing as well. So here's the author. He says, I simply argue that the cross, remember, this is Jesus sharing the story about the Samaritan. So this is Jesus stuff. I simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace, as well as on the steeple of the church. I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a pretty place. He was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on the town garbage heap, at a crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek. At the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble. Because that is where he died. And that is what he died about. And this is why we take this parable in Luke chapter 10. And we say, okay. Okay, God, we get it. All around us are people who need us to stop for them and get off the donkey and inconvenience ourselves and help in significant ways. So this week, in your homes, in your places of work, at school, as we march toward our new home, let's look and stop and get off the donkey. Father, we are thankful for a very powerful story that you shared many years ago in Luke chapter 10. A story that touches at the heart of so many things that impact us even today. God, I pray that you would help me To just be the kind of leader that gets off the donkey and inconveniences myself, that gets in the weeds with those who desperately need it, and helps and serves and loves that way, loving pity. Pray that that would describe me. God, I, I also pray that it would describe. Valley Point Church that we would be the kind of faith community that doesn't just gather and pat ourselves on the back and sit down and think about what's for me but that we would work really hard really hard at school and in our homes in our communities, everywhere you take us, our places of work, our circles of influence, and that we would create enough space and kick fear to the side and prejudice and everything that would keep us on the donkey and say, okay, here it is. 
I don't know if I have enough time. I don't know if I have enough resources. I don't know if I have enough emotional energy. But God, I'm going to place myself in a situation where you can use my life to impact the life of another. God, so many people on the side of the road, broken and hurt and dying, help us to reach, help us to look, see, and feel. May our inside be moved. And may that start now. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.